Hi, and welcome back to the Beyond the Peloton podcast. This is your host, Spencer Martin. This week, we are talking about the tour of the Basque Country, which wrapped up on Saturday. Kind of a thrilling finish with Primoz Roglic taking the overall victory, coming from behind, ripping it off the shoulders of American Brandon McNulty and vanquishing uh, his rival, his Slovenian rival, Tade Pogacar. Uh, super exciting racing, really interesting racing all week. So we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of that. Um, if their tactics were good or bad. I thought they were bad at the time. In retrospect, maybe I was a little too harsh. Um, I have a little note from a reader slash listener that thinks their tactics were good, so I'll read that as well. Um, I'll also talk about uh, the upcoming Amstel Gold race a little bit. Uh, Not my favorite race, but we'll talk about it. Uh, But first, if you want to support the podcast, you can sign up for the newsletter at beyondthepeloton.substack.com. There's a free weekly edition um, if you like the podcast. Kind of a no-brainer to sign up for that. You'll love it. And there is a paid, it's daily during Grand Tours, uh, trice weekly, not during Grand Tours. Uh, You also get select brand deals with that, like 20% off Stages Cycling, uh, Cure of Switzerland products. So sign up for that now at beyondthepeloton.substack.com. All right, well, uh, Tour of the Basque Country, six-stage race in the Basque Country in Spain, uh, rainy, mountainous part of the world, uh, great rate, great bike racing. Uh, it's it's probably my favorite one-week race because a lot of times these one-week races, they have kind of a really boring formula where it's like sprint stage, sprint stage, sprint stage, mountain stage, sprint stage, kind of a mountain stage, TT. Um, and they can be a little bit formulaic, kind of the same riders always win them. But this, wow, this thing was super exciting. There was one, I, I guess we ca- they called it a sprint stage. It was not a sprint stage at all. Insane to call that a sprint stage. That was stage stage five, and it was won by a breakaway. It was a really and it was a really hard day. But there, I mean, there's no real sprinters here. Daryl Impey won the quote unquote bunch sprint with Simon Clark second. So pretty fast, but strong riders. I mean, those are not you would not call those bunch sprinters by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, every other stage was kind of a mountain stage or a time trial. And we got Primoz Roglic, Tade Pogacar. Uh, I mean, I think Dane Cash wrote this on Cycling Tips today, that they're the two best stage racers in the world, and it's not even close. That's absolutely true. I mean, it's like, no spoilers, but they're going to be one tour at the Tour de France. Uh, it's, there's no one, no one can match them. I mean, Adam Yates was dominant at the Volta, Volta Catalunya, like absolutely dominant. Um, he got first. Ineos team easily rode to second, third. They swept the podium. They were so dominant. This was like two weeks ago, not that long ago. They show up here, and it was, oh my, they looked bad. They were just getting beat up every day. Yates got fourth overall, but, I mean, he he's having a career year. He's actually, I've never seen him look this good, and he just got trounced. I mean, he wasn't even ever close to winning a stage, let alone the overall, challenging for the overall in any capacity. These guys are flying. I mean, it's, they're, it's... They're just so much better than everybody else. It's not even really close. Um, the only, I mean, the only negative you could say is they're they're really good this early. But as I talked about in previous podcasts and newsletters, I went back and looked at the most dominant Tour de France riders in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. You know, think think Wiggins 2012, Froome 2013, Contador 2009. Uh, those guys were all winning races from January up until the Tour de France. These guys take, you got to remember, they take big breaks between racing. Um, like Woot Van Aert and Matthew Vanderpoel. I mean, all the classics guys, they're racing like once every two or three or four days through that those big race blocks. I mean, Roglic and Pogachar, I mean, they go away for like two, three weeks at a time. I mean, they're going to go to the Ardennes. We'll talk about that a little bit. I don't love that. 
but uh, that that's actually that's the most intensive one day racing they'll do for all year perhaps uh, it's just a lot it's almost like these stage races are like mini training camps and then you go away you quote unquote rest I mean if you looked at their training peaks files they would not it, you would not consider this rest um, but it allows you to kind of extend a peak you never really you don't peak too early because you don't peak at all. You're just kind of riding this plateau of it slowly rising incredible fitness. But let's dive into the race notes. I uh, am, I don't know, kind of embarrassed a little bit. I was really critical of Yumbo all week. I'm just, I'm just looking back through my newsletters from the past week. They were, I mean, Roglic, I've, I've just hated Yumbo's tendency just to kind of they just have left their leaders just frying out there all year i mean we saw it with woot van art in the classics where at flanders he was alone from 50k to the finish and at, at roglich at every race he's done this year has felt like he's been alone i mean he went to perry nice and it felt like he was racing unattached uh he won three stages had the overall wrapped up on stage eight crashed once at, in the beginning crashed the second time towards the end and there's just no one around and it just didn't feel like they were very well drilled. I, I must have been, I would assuming it was it was definitely not in the plans of Tom Dumoulin step away like two weeks into the season. That couldn't have been expected. And I, it's you know he's a very strong rider, like a world-class Grand Tour rider in his own right, but also was working for the team, probably providing a lot of a lot of guidance as well on the road. Uh, clearly he was missed. It's the same thing with Woot Van Aert at Torino, at Torino Adriatico. He was just completely isolated that whole time. I mean, those I thought I actually thought that was pretty kind of embarrassing for Yumbo. Those two stage races, they got off really without too much criticism. Um, I saw Chris Horner was pretty critical of them at the Classics, but I didn't feel like they got nearly enough crap for that either. I mean, Woot comes out, I guess, of the spring with some success. It's great to have a Gent Wevelgem win. That was a great, great, great team victory. Um, but that I, I don't know. I can't help but feel like they've squandered a lot. They should have had Perry Nice wrapped up. They sh- probably should have had. They, I mean, if you want to consider, if you want to be like a classic star, you got to win a monument. They needed to win San Remo or Flanders, uh, and it just looked like more of the same at the beginning of of Basque Country, where stage two Roglic is just completely isolated, and he just kind of gets beat up by Pogacar. Uh, he gets. Alex Arambiro is off the front, a Basque rider, and Roglic is in a real tough position. Back in the chase group, he does a good job of not panicking. And, you know, it could have gotten out of hand. Arambiro could have taken the race lead from him, but uh, he gets pulled to the finish by the rest of the group. But then Pogacar snags that third place, takes the time bonus from him. Stage three, steep, steep summit finish. Uh, Roglic rides great. Him and Pogacar are just like a step above everyone. They kind of get locked in a stalemate. They're going into a tricky finish. It looks like Roglic doesn't have the right course, inf- either doesn't have the right course information or just figured like, screw it, I'll drop Pogachar from a minute and a half on this steep uphill finish. Couldn't do it. Pogachar beats him. I just really didn't like how, how isolated he was. Stage four, same thing, where Mc- Brandon McNulty from UAE goes off the front. He's looking great, by the way. Best I've ever seen him ride. Uh, Jonas Vind- I mean, at this point, Roglic does have a few other teammates. The main guy with him is Jonas Vindegaard, who goes with McNulty. We'll talk. We'll, we'll dive into the, if this was a good idea or not. I hated it at the time. Looking back, I don't hate it as much. Um, it's, it actually worked out really, really well for Yumbo. 
But um, back in the chase group, Roglic was just like isolated for a while. They do get Antoine Tolhook, who who is kind of coming back into the form that I expected him to be in. He was great. I think this was one or two two years ago, perhaps. Looked to be really promising, and then he's kind of been not at the level I expected of him this year. But he actually he rode really strong the final in the last few kilometers of stage four, and then stage six he was great. So that's a great sign. I think Sam Sam Omen also recovered and came back into that group. So things are looking slightly up for them at the end of this. We get to stage six. Roglic is 23 seconds down on Brandon McNulty from UAE Team Emirates. Uh, his teammate Jonas Vindegaard is is third, 28 seconds back. Tadej Pogacar, 43 seconds back. So at the time, it looked kind of tricky. So you have one stage, it's 112 kilometers, with a steep finish climb, steep but short, and you need 23 seconds on Brandon McNulty. I think the thing I misread the most here was McNulty. Um, he had looked strong enough throughout the the race before this that I was thinking, God, it could be tough to get 23 seconds from him. So therefore, it was really dumb just to let him ride off the front. I mean, it when he rode off the front on stage four, I just thought, well, Ruglet just let the race ride up the road. I mean, because you're not you're not going to get 23 seconds from this kid on this final stage. Um, I think that that was my flaw in, in thinking there, and I was also thinking, well. To get rid of him, you're going to have to make the race so hard that all the Yumbo riders get dropped and Roglic is alone with Tadej Pogacar. So that's not a good situation either, either because Pogacar can can easily drop him and get, you know, it's a 20-second gap. He only needs, if he's going to win the stage and get 10 seconds, even let's assume Roglic gets second, you know, he only needs 17, 18 seconds to win the race right there. So I thought they were. I thought they were in a tough spot because I thought McNulty was going to be really tough to drop. Um, what really worked out well for them was Astana and Movistar were, I guess, desperate to win the stage. I, I still am not. The motivations are not totally clear to me. Um, they Astana had Jan Izagire in ninth. This is before the final stage. Izagire is a minute and fifteen seconds back. Valverde on Movistar is a minute and thirteen seconds back. So looking at that, yeah, they probably thought if we can force something a long ways from the finish, we get a group, you know, it's kind of like the stage was like short, steep climb. There wasn't many long, like alpine climbs, which is great for these types of riders. It's great for like attacking riders because on the alpine climbs, the tour always tries to do these short stages. We all get really excited for them. We get up early. We're going to watch them from beginning to end. And what they, I think the flaw they do is it's like, it will be like two or three climbs but they're so steep and long that, or they're, they're, sh- they're not steep enough and they're long. So guys just write threshold on them or just right below threshold. So everyone's riding as hard as they can. No one can get away. Everyone cancels each other out. Um, some guys get dropped. It's all like action from attrition. It's just riders going off the back and who's ever left um, wins the race. Uh, it's it's not as it's there was an Alpe West stage. This was must have been twenty summer of twenty eleven. That was really short, and it was like break GC guys breaking away from the beginning. I think the tour has been chasing that glory ever since. They haven't quite gotten a short stage that was that has been that exciting since. Uh, but this is this is what they're going for when they do that. But the key is these Basque Country climbs are like, they're short and steep. They're irregular. So you can't just ride threshold. You can't be like a big TT guy like McNulty 
and ride 400 watts and no one can get away because you're going so fast and you don't weigh you're going so hard and you don't weigh that much so it's like a math problem that no one can solve but these uh these basque roads are tough like the climbs are steep short the descents are really really fast pretty technical so the basque riders themselves have a really big advantage so i'm sure astana was thinking hey we got a couple basque guys jan and zagiri is basque uh alejandro is not basque but he's on a spanish team they kind of have the inside line here. They they know the route better than others. They attack with 66k to go. You could tell it was after the longest climb of the stage. Like Benji Nassen on YouTube knows all these climbs. I, I don't know the names of any of these climbs. Uh, I don't know how he does that. He can just pull them off the top of his head. I'll just say a long climb, middle of the stage. But you could tell Pogachar was really nervous. He kept looking back, looking back, really paranoid about an attack coming from probably one of these Astana guys, Movistar guys, or even Roglic himself, because with the GC so bunched up like that, it just takes one move, and the race can really go sideways for someone like McNulty or even Roglic. So they're, they're really paranoid on the climb. They get to the top of the climb, and what happens is, the genius of what happens here is, Astana just like, UA's like, okay, woo, we got over the top of this, we're safe. We can relax for a second, and then we're going to descend, and we have a long valley. So. We're actually safe for, you know, for the next 45 minutes, we can, we can take a breather here. Um, but Astana just attacks right as they get to the top, right when UAE takes their eye off the ball. UAE's at the front. Um, it, it just must have happened so fast because they're, Astana just comes up the side with Valverde right on their wheel, and they're over and gone before UAE even, UAE even knows what's going on. Uh, McNulty and Pogachar kind of get shuffled to the back. Ruglitch sees this all coming and is right on their wheel. But even Ruglitch, who sees it coming, um, I have some screen screenshots in the newsletter, and he is like struggling to get on terms for the first couple kilometers of this descent, which shows you how fast they're going and how tricky these descents are. That Ruglitch is extremely skilled. You know, he's a really skilled bike handler, great descender, and he can barely get back up to him. If he was any further back, I don't think he could have made it. Pogachar and and UAE also had put Mark Hershey up in the breakaway, which I, I don't love as like a satellite rider in case things um, really got hard. They kind of stashed a rider up the road for McNulty if he needed help. I, I don't know if I love that. And if you're going to do that, why not just put Pogachar in the breakaway and put pressure on everyone else to chase? Because what ha if, they, if Hershey was with them and Hershey, they have an extra strong guy to chase here, they can probably close this gap down because they get into the valley. And they can almost touch the group in front of them. Um, the gap is open on the descent, but it's not that big. I mean, it looked like they almost could have, like McNulty, if he was strong enough, just could have sprinted across. Uh, the downside is Astana and Movistar are drilling it at the front of this. And Roglic is just getting a free ride. I almost couldn't believe it watching it. I, I, don't, I don't totally love that. They probably just figured, this is our only shot. You know, at this point, we're all in. If we do nothing and we stay with Tade Pogacar, Rogel just going to win the overall. He's going to drop McNulty on the final climb, and Pogachar is going to smoke us and win the stage. So we we won't get any we won't get a favorable GC position, and we'll lose the stage. So I guess what do they have to lose? Uh, but it looked a little silly where they're just pulling, pulling, pulling for Ruglich. Um A little odd there. But if Hershey was with him, if Mark Hershey's back there with his teammates. You know, they, they could possibly catch up to him because they get to the next climb with, um, it's like 48K to go, something like that. 
Um, Sam Omen from Yumbo goes to the front to pull for Roglic. And it's close. I mean, it's the on-screen graphics, like 24 seconds. It, there was like switchbacks where they look like one rider could have attacked up to that next group. Um, I think Pogachar could have done it physically. That this is where it all really starts to unwind for UAE because Pogachar's worked through the valley, just pulled the entire valley for McNulty. Uh, McNulty's just like big. He's a big, big guy. He's like got to be like six two, six three. Pogachar's not that tall he's like five seven five eight maybe five nine i don't know he's not very tall so he's mcnulty's not getting a great draft from him he's pogachar so small so low profile it's not a favorable setup the better setup for many reasons but mainly just for aerodynamics would be mcnulty pulling for pogachar because he would be getting a lot better draft um i think if uae would have just you know, it's tough because they have a leader's jersey. So what are you going to do? You're going to make the leader of the race on the final day work for his teammate? That's super unorthodox. I don't know if I've ever really seen that. But if you're just looking at it from like a truly objective mindset, you would have said, hey, man, you've got to close this gap for Bogachar in this valley right here because this is our best shot. Um, I think they could have done it. I think McNulty and Hershey, if they're pulling for Bogachar, could have closed the gap. Pogachar starts to climb with... Valverde and Roglic, um, and they all drop, Roglic and Pogacar drop everyone, and then duke it out on the final climb together. And maybe Pogacar drops them and wins, wins the stage and wins the race overall. But we'll never know, because that's not what they decided to do. That is a little crazy. I can understand why that didn't happen. But it just, everything goes, everything gets super messy here. And this shows the problem with the let the leader decide strategy. Dave Brailsford loves to say this about Enios. They go into a race, they have like, I mean, 2019 Tour de France was a perfect example of this, where uh, Garrett Thomas and Egan Bernal were like really close in the GC all race long. It kind of got awkward at times where Bernal had to leave Thomas. They go into the final few stages. Bernal drops Thomas. And the whole time, it's just like, well, the road will decide or the road will decide. It's like, well, at some point you have to pick because if... You can't tell Bernal, I mean, you're going to tell Bernal, wait for Garrett Thomas, but you're a leader. Well, at that point, he's just working for Garrett Thomas. But if Garrett Thomas can't drop anyone, you're going to lose the race if you don't let Egan Bernal go. And that's kind of what happened here, where by keep keeping, letting the jersey, you know, the jersey is such a symbol that McNulty getting the jersey kind of painted them into a corner, unless they wanted to be incredibly unorthodox about this. But it totally handcuffed Pogachar. He starts to climb. You can tell he's having second thoughts the moment they hit the climb. They're so close to the, Rog- to the Roglic group. He's probably thinking, I can bridge this. McNulty starts struggling immediately. He's on the radio. I, I, I guess he's, he's probably saying, what the hell do I do? I, I kind of imagine saying, can I leave him? Like, I need to leave him. Like, I got to leave him right now. Which is, re- that's also an orthodox where it's rare that a rider would like, sell out to support someone and then 30 minutes later be like actually just kidding i want to ride for myself because it's like well you just pulled through the valley um you've made that sacrifice maybe just stay with them at this point and and even if you don't win you've at least proved something to your team um winning the tour of the vast country is great but no one's really going to remember that maybe you're just building capital with your teammates for Bigger races down the line. If you want Brandon to work with for you at the Tour de France, maybe do this for him right now. You know, that's probably the smarter move. Just, hey, you know what? This is 
the strategy we came into the day with. And, you know, that's the flip side of that. Well, let the road decide. Well, sometimes the road is stupid. Just say, hey, Tade, you're working for him today. I don't care if he gets dropped. You have to stay with him because you know, we're building capital amongst capital and trust amongst each other that you'll, you'll, you'll use later. Because when he leaves him, that is tough to come back from. I, I cannot imagine McNulty is feeling that good about it or any of the other UAE writers who are like, well, that's kind of a shitty thing to do. Because <laughs> the symbol of just leaving, he just leaves him on this climb. He doesn't do it definitively. I mean, if he just would have attacked right there, he can probably get up to Ruglish, but he just kind of noodles off the front. Uh, Esteban Chavez is pushing the pace, and he's just kind of like sitting in the wheels. You can tell he doesn't want to look like he's leaving McNulty. He's like just kind of like sulking away in the night. Uh, but McNulty doesn't even really get dropped. He's just kind of dangling like 30 seconds back. Or, I mean, he gets dropped, but he doesn't blow up. He's just dangling. They even get up and over the climb. They get into the next valley. Uh, Ruglich and David Goodall and David Godot and Hugh Carthy are the only three left in front. They're like, 20 seconds off the front and then you have this chase group with like adam yates and Tadej bogachar and then mcnulty's 30 seconds back by himself and it's like he's kind of starting to close the gap and you're like ooh, this is awkward if he catches back up you might see someone punch their teammate in a bike race um and you could tell it bogachar was not feeling that you could tell he was bothered by this because he kept screaming at everyone in the group to work where really he probably just should have put his head down and figured, guys, 20 seconds, like, I can do this. You know, if I can close this and get to the base of the final climb with him, I'm in this race. Um, he doesn't do that, probably doesn't want to be seen. You know, what does he do there? He's, he's working on that group on the front while his teammate, the race leader, is pulling him in 30 seconds back alone that that is those are terrible optic optics like awful like you couldn't think of a worse situation so uh yeah no no good no good uh outcomes for here for him here unless he can sit on the group and they can pull him back up to roglic i think that's why he he was very disturbed by the fact that no one was working for him but it's like hey man you're in a group of like yana zagire i mean actually no is had been dropped. And, and this is the crazy thing about Movistar and Astana. As soon as, you know, they get three kilometers up this climb with Ruglich and he's just popping them off the back one by one after they've pulled him to the base of the climb. So it's like Astana attacked, broke the race up, pull Ruglich away from his rivals. They get to the next climb and Ruglich just drops all of them. Every Astana rider just pop, pop, pop out the back. Um, Valverde hangs on longer, but even he gets dropped towards the top. Um, I saw Neil Rogers on Twitter being critical of this thing. Well, you're just sending strong riders back to your rival. Why are you doing this? But if you think about that a level further, well, they're not strong enough to stay with me. And now they're tired because they've just pulled that whole valley and I dropped them. They went deep trying to stay with me. And that's, I mean, if that's what he was thinking, that's exactly what happened because they get dropped back to the Pogachar group and they're just sitting in. I mean, Valverde was no help. The Astana riders were no help at all. And really all that Valverde was doing was attacking, you know, not getting away and then sitting on and it was disrupting the chase. So Valverde really only helped Primoz Roglic. Um, just his presence there, everyone knows that he's going to take advantage of them anytime they expose themselves by pulling. So no one wants to pull. It's just a total disaster back there. Adam Yates maybe had a pull or two, but he was even 
doing this like sit on Pogachar, attack him. Oh, Pogachar caught back up to us. Oh, now no one wants to work. I mean, it was a really messy, messy, messy chase. Uh, if Pogachar just puts his head down, I mean, it's unpleasant. It looks bad. He doesn't want to do it, but if he just puts his head down and chases, I think they could have gotten close enough for him to catch Roglic on the final climb. If he drops him, it's another story. But I mean, you got to try. I mean, Roglic was pulling the two, the, the two other guys out front, David Godow, something like that. And Hugh Carthy, he was getting no help for a long time. So it was basically just like a single rider pursuit. You know, maybe he catches him. Uh, you know, maybe he's hurting from being out there. I, I don't know. You got to try something. Maybe you can drop him. Uh, probably couldn't have dropped him. Roglic looked incredible. But, you know, he, yeah, I, I, it's like, well, if you're going to commit to Levy McNulty, you've really got to go all in here. I didn't like that. You know, it's kind of this halfway, half committed, half not. Uh, David Godow wins the stage, celebrating Primus Roglic, very happy about it. Letting, I mean, we should talk about this for a second. Uh, gifted him the stage. This was like a big contra- controversy when Gino Mater got passed by Roglic at the end of Perigny's stage six. Um, everyone's saying, oh, we should have let him win. Well, he lets David Godow win here because David Godow worked for him. I mean, he basically pulled him like the last 3K up the climb and then the flat section after the climb. And, you know, and they only stay away. Pogacar and Valverde are like 35 seconds back at the finish. So they definitely, it was not a foregone conclusion that they were going to stay away. Um, David Godow did a lot of good work for Primoz Roglic, really, really helped him in those final kilometers. So it's like he's trading a, the chance of a stage win for like an armchair ride to the overall win. So it's like there's a trade of goods going on here that it's not just he's letting him win because he's a nice guy. And if you notice, Bahrain, Merida, Gino Mater's team, didn't, didn't just work for Tade Pogacar to spite Primoz Roglic because he stole that win from him. So uh, it, it is not, it's not this like big well of goodwill you're building between teams by letting people win. A 35 second gap at the finish shows that this was not, the race was not over. Um, if Tade Pogacar would have committed to that chase, it's super impressive that he got really no help. He got the opposite of help. Guys just attacking intermittently, hurting the chase. Jonas Vindegaard sitting second wheel the entire time so no one can pull through, even if they want to. And if Tade Pogacar tries to pull off, Vindegaard's going to go to the front and slow up the pace. Um, great riding from Vindegaard, by the way. So it, the fact that he only lost essentially from the start I mean, from the start of that climb after the, the the attack on the descent before to the finish was pretty much an even race between it was like an hour and a half long pursuit race between Pogachar and Roglic and it was about even so really 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 impressive from from both of them I think Pogachar could have caught him I don't think he could have dropped him I don't think there was anything he could have done to win this race other than maybe you don't get dropped on that descent but even then Roglic looked really strong really 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 strong um, probably nothing they could do and this kind of brings us into the conversation of like well did was I wrong like was Yumbo just setting a trap this whole time and walking UAE into it they kind of did by letting McNulty go I don't think they they weren't totally consciously thinking of this at the time but when McNulty attacks in stage four they send Vindegaard up there because, you know, they're thinking, well, if this gets totally out of hand, as uh, Kevin, 
Kevin and Basel said on the Discord today that this was probably one of the train of thoughts that if Vindegaard goes up and the gap gets totally out of hand, it's like five minutes, at least they have a plan B and they figure, well, Vindegaard just has to beat McNulty by half a minute on the final stage and maybe we can pull that out. So it's not a total disaster. They, and that allows Roglic to sit in and not chase for the final 30K of stage four. That's super valid. Um, something I probably should have harped on more at the time, where um, instead of having Vindegaard just chasing, I think if, I mean, this is kind of the more Dave's, Dave Brailsford train of thought, where would you just conserve your riders and use them to pull your leader? And just every, that's all this is about. We don't do any cute moves. We don't send anyone. We don't play any of the jujitsu of pro cycling, just keep strong guys with your leader and pull. That is what the game is. And you make it so fast, they can't attack. And once they attack, you pull them back. Um, I probably would have just done that. <laughs> it seems simpler. Just never let McNulty get the jersey in the first place. But but what's interesting is by letting them do that, um, Roglic was kind of just chilling. And even Anton Tolhook, who was with him, was kind of chilling on stage four. He worked a little bit at the end, but they played it real cool. McNulty takes the jersey. And in, in hindsight, I mean, this is all like hindsight's 2020. If Astana doesn't decide they want to break that race up at 66, 66K to go on the final day, this probably is all egg on Yumbo's face. And McNulty wins the tour of the Basque Country. So, yeah, just keep, keep that in mind that Astana and Movistar made this all work for Yumbo. But what that did, when they let McNulty go, it means they can enter the final two stages without the jersey. Um, let's just, just thought experiment. Vindegaard pulls him back. Roglic, ha- and Roglic has a jersey stage four, stage five, and six. Stage five was tough. That was a tough, tough breakaway day. I'm sure there was a lot of like unsung work on UAE's part. The beginning of stage six was, was incredibly hard. It was started on an uphill. So it's just like out of the, out of the gate, full gas. They do a lot of work in the first 60K of that race just to keep the breakaway manageable. And that's what leaves them vulnerable to attack. Um, if, if Yumbo doesn't let McNulty roll on, on stage four, you know, that's them. You know, they're going into that final stage tired from stage five. They're controlling the stage for the first 60K. They're paranoid that someone's going to attack them. I mean, there's possibly quite a bit of power in racing from second as Yumbo is is very uh very familiar with i mean think they got mugged at the end of the tour de france they got mugged at the end of perry nice i mean Roglic has won has lost more races on the final day in like the last two years than garrett thomas has won his entire career or no sorry bradley wiggins has won his entire road career i think he lost perry nice on the final day uh tour de france on the final day and Criterium du Dauphiné. So it's possible the team has identified like, hey, this isn't really working out for us. Let's try something else. You know, let's race from second place, see if that works. So in that respect, I mean, I should have been, I should have been a, a little bit more 360 degree like viewpoint in my judgment midweek. Um, you know, it, it worked. You know, I actually, I do think there was something to not having to be paranoid for the first 60K of a really, really, really hard final stage. And I, I truly believe that's what left UAE open to attack because they were just physically shot. They only had, by the top of that climb, was 66K to go. It was Pogachar, McNulty, and possibly Rafa Micah. 
And that might have been it. It's just Micah McNulty Pogachar with Hershey up the road. And that's what leaves them vulnerable right there. If they have more riders, if they're not setting pace earlier in the day, they probably have more teammates there and that that attack probably doesn't work. So interesting stuff to think about. I don't think anyone's, you know, it's very easy. Yumbo tries this and it doesn't work. You know, Astana just doesn't go. You know, Astana attacks and they figure, hey, wait, Primo's Ruglage is here. Let's not work for him because that's stupid because he's going to drop us. You know, like ping pong, he's going to shoot us out the back. So we should sit up. And the race comes back together. Tadej Pogacar attacks and wins the race. So that easily could have happened. Or Brandon McNulty doesn't crack and wins. Uh, Br- McNulty did crack so hard. I do wonder. He, I mean, he finished like over five minutes back. I do wonder if he wouldn't have made it. Uh, even even if that race comes back together. Um, yeah, that's a tough stage for him. It's really nothing. That's like nothing is in his wheelhouse there. It's short. It's a regular there's not long, long alpine climbs where he can use his TT ability to, to keep it close. But that's, uh, that's the race notes on, you know, in other quick notes on Bass Country is, I mean, A, just great for Yumbo to get this win. They kind of get a little bit of their mojo back after some really, really high profile meltdowns, kind of team, all team based meltdowns at the end of races. Uh, I didn't lie. I still didn't love. I mean, Roglic, if we looked back, you could just make a montage of just Roglic riding without teammates at this race. The end of stage two, end of stage three, end of stage six. I mean, even, you know, he was confident enough to go alone at the end there, but he was isolated. So, yeah, I still think that's something they have to address. I, they just this nasty habit of just leaving team leaders just completely naked at the end of races. Roglic gets his only second ever overall win against Pogachar, which was shocking, uh, first since 2019. So that's a big boost for him, especially since these guys are going to be going, I mean, let's be honest, it's going to be them going head-to-head at Tour de France, no one else matters. Uh, kind of more more pressing is the Ardennes, Amstel Gold. I don't know if, I haven't looked into this, if they're racing Amstel Gold, but I think both of these guys have to be considered favorites for Liège. Looked into it, no one's won Liège in the Tour in the same year since uh, Eddie Merckx in 1975. So I would actually, I would be shocked if one of them won Liège. And actually, if they did win Liège, is that a bad sign? Because is there a reason no one else has doubled up since then? Uh, maybe it's too hard to be that sharp for a one-day race and then be on the track to win the Tour. Your, your, develop, your development, your physical fitness should probably be not conducive to winning like a 250k one day race if you're building up for the tour um i thought it was super lame i i didn't like chris Froome and bradley wiggins how they just kind of just focused on the tour and everything was for the tour so i i objectively think it's cool that these guys are chasing big one day victories in years they're trying to win the tour de france so i want to celebrate them for that but it makes me a little bit nervous uh uae shows that you know they have looked a lot stronger this year than last year a lot like infinitely stronger shows they've got a little bit of ways to go before they can figure this thing out uh i don't think mcnulty's going to the tour and that could possibly be for the best after that stage i cannot imagine the relations americo and slovenian slovene relations are good at the moment Um, they might need to get a a diplomatic channel in there to, to smooth that over I think he's going to lead the team at the Giro. Uh, it will be interesting. I, I, this habit of he just seems to not be the most consistent stage racer, 
which is not conducive to winning Grand Tours. Ineos looks not good. I mean, this is like becoming a trend at this point. They, you know, they looked good at Catalonia, but then now after seeing the Catalonia people at a real race with real racers, that race might have just suffered from uh, not very, not top tier competition because they looked terrible here. And even like Valverde, they were beating him handily at Catalonia, and he was better than almost everyone on their team except Adam Yates. Um, Adam Yates, interestingly enough, not on the Tour long list. At, at this point in time, he's not going to the Tour of France. Richard Carapaz is one of the leaders for the team, not him. Uh, if Yates just keeps, keeps dunking on Carapaz race after race after race, they're going to have to make a change there. They can't just not take the best rider on their team to the Tour. That would be crazy. Um, so I think we're going to see some modifications of that Tour team due to Adam Yates just having the best year of his career or at least since 2016 when he got a, a top 10 at the tour won the young riders jersey i believe we have amstel gold coming up on saturday that's a fun it's a fun it's a fun race um really tough one day race it's kind of like i think they're doing it on a circuit this year which actually is not that different from a normal year it's just kind of like races around holland i don't find it to be it's not my favorite race um it's an interesting race it has a ton a ton of elevation game gain and I, the longest climb cannot be longer than a few kilometers like one or two kilometers so just a brutal up and down race you get like it's like punchy punchy one day riders like Vanderpool won the last edition in 2018 michael valgren in 2017 philippe gilbert in 20 i'm oh, sorry valgren 2018 philippe gilbert 2017 um enrico gasparato great great win here in 2016 but Vanderpool's not racing. He is done racing for a while. So Woot Van Aert, if he can recover from the Tour of Flanders, he's got to be the favorite there. Um, but it should be a fun race to watch. All right. And thank you so much. And sign up for the newsletter at beyondthepeloton.substack.com. There's a, if you are a paying member, there's a Discord and you can come tell me why I'm wrong. Um, it's actually super fun to read those comments. So keep them coming and enjoy the racing. Bye.